Good morning, friends. Sarah here. So happy to be sharing with you. Our psalm today says, Unless the Lord builds a house, unless the Lord builds a life, the workers work for nothing. Uh, interesting life advice to start out with this morning. Unless the Lord builds your house, you can do all the work in the world. Unless He builds your life, you work for nothing. Um, a number of years ago, I had a pet. My husband's allergic to a lot of animals, cats, most dogs. So what kind of a pet did I get? I really, I just, I just wanted a little animal. I got a hedgehog. Now, for those of you who don't know, hedgehogs, um, they're, they're fun little pets. You can kind of, uh, take care of them like hamsters. They eat cat food. Um, you can pet them and they kind of feel like a, a, a toothbrush. And um, this hedgehog, her name was Hazel, Hazel the Hedgehog, she had such a personality, such a personality for one pound. Um, I would let her run around in the bathtub because uh, they needed an enclosed space to, to run around in. I'd give her little toys like um, those little plastic Easter eggs or um, toilet paper rolls. And she wanted her toys in the top of the bathtub, not the bottom. And she would use her cute little nose to push them up to the top of the, the incline and then they would roll down to the bottom. And it was just amazing to me. At one pound, one pound, she, you could almost see this little animal like put her hands on her hips and be like, oh no, you don't. And she would go and get her toy and roll it back up to the top of the top. And then, and it was this huh, and she would huff and puff and run after and like, no, you stay here. And all of her work, of course, was futile. Now, this may sound familiar to some of us, perhaps moms out there. As a mom, I clean up my kitchen, I get it all nice, and the next thing you know, it's messed up. I organize the kids. I use my brain and design and plan how the kids' playroom is going to be, and then it's messed up. Maybe you work in IT, government, maintenance, you fix a problem, you, you do it right, and then it's ruined. Right? Then there's another problem. Then there's just, you know, a never ending. What makes life different from the hamster wheel? What makes my life's work different from Hazel the Hedgehog? Well, I think it's the redemptive path of following God and receiving God's love. Nothing done in love is ever lost. The mess is cleaned up in love. The problem's fixed in love. The conversations had way too many times in love. Nothing done in love is ever lost. And that's what we're going to see today. Friends, let's pray. Wherever you are, just quiet your heart, turn your attention to Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for the love that you have for us right where we are in our car, in our living room. You love us. You think of us with love, and your love has plans for us right now. Love is active, and your love is active and powerful. You have a good plan for us. In the next 10, 15, 20 minutes, uh, as we engage with this church service, you want to change us and shape us and mold us in the power of your love. So we open our hearts and our minds to you right now, to the good things you have for us. 
We say we want more. We don't want to be limited and confined to what we can do, to the scope of our intellect, to the, to the scope of our plans. We want more. We want you. So we give you uh, our will, our ideas, our mind today. Come, speak to us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me in prayer. We're going to be looking at Psalm 127 today. Psalm 127, if you want to read along, um, or if you just want to listen, I invite you, if you're reading um, on your app, on, on a Bible, um, to really read this spiritually. This is a wisdom psalm uh, that uh, pilgrims uh, would have said as they journeyed from uh, different places into Jerusalem. It's a, a psalm of ascent. Um, so Jesus would have prayed this psalm as he journeyed from Nazareth into Jerusalem for religious festivals. Um, we want to pray as we are on our own religious pilgrimage to form us into wisdom, to let these words speak to us, form our hearts and minds. Pray it with me, friends. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with centuries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Love is at the center of this psalm. It hinges, it turns on love in its middle. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows. In a warrior's hands, they can go farther than the warrior can. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. There will be problems. This psalm was probably written when somebody was facing conflict and controversy at accusers and enemies. But when we live a life filled with love, family built by God, we will not be put to shame. So, the builders got to build. The watchmen have to, have to watch. Parents have to parent. Uh, we do our job. We do not sit around and wait for 18-year-olds to sprout up from the ground. But it is the Lord who raises up, protects, and increases. Let's look at this carefully together. Um, verse number one. Unless the Lord builds a house, a home. This is really talking about your whole of your life. Shelter, protection, food, sleep, family. God builds your entire life. Unless the Lord builds your life, the workers work in vain. Unless the Lord protects a city, protects a, a life, a people, guarding it will do no good. Now, I lived in what some may have said was not a, a, a totally safe neighborhood for, for three years. I was teaching at the local high school um, and lived there. I was one of the only teachers um, in that high school who actually lived uh, in the district. Um, and um, I know none of us would you know, label or, or stereotype or, or label you know, a, a neighborhood, but, but some may have uh, had different terms for my neighborhood. Um, that would not um, be complimentary. Um, so me and my twin sister, we were, I lived there from when I was 26 to, to 29. Um, 
directly across the street um, was an abandoned house, squatters, uh, crack house. Um, one, one house over was deacons in the church, lovely, lovely couple. Um, I have a pair of really nice white pants that she gave him when she was cleaning out her closets. One of the nicer articles of clothing I own, actually. Um, right next to us um, in our house, um, on one side was um, great middle-aged couple, super helpful to us, always loaning us tools, teaching us how to use the tools. Um, wonderful couple. Um, on the other side was another um, wonderful couple uh, in, in other many ways. Uh, we had a great relationship with them. Uh, the stepson came over frequently, um, but they were, you know, dealing drugs, and sometimes we'd get knocks on our door at 2 a.m. and be like, it's for next door, it's for next door. So, um, my safety as a young woman was questioned by some people living in this area. And I was just like, as long as I'm not messing with people, I, I think I should be just fine. During this time, one of our family friends, uh, very unfortunately, um, got really the, their life savings uh, kind of taken out um, through an internet uh, a fraud. Um, uh, it's confusing to me how it all went down, but really terrible, um, terrible theft. Um, and people question me, like, do you feel safe? Like, you know, you might get mugged. I'm like, there's not that much in my wallet to begin with. And I have these good family friends who are living in, you know, this nice little safe suburban world who think they are secure, who have went through a, a great threat, theft, a, a great tragedy. And we can say plenty about, you know, the othering of crime and the, you know, racialized aspects of, of all of that, you know, how we stereotype crime and how we also stereotype safety. But the, the point is that there's a false security. There's a false security. And we think that we can do, if we do everything right, and we want to be safe, we, we want to be careful, right? But if we do everything right, then we can protect ourselves from all threats. If we do life right, that we are guaranteed a certain outcome. And that is not true. God is the best security system. We gotta live careful, we gotta do our job, but God is the best security system and we cannot grasp onto, but I'm doing this right, I'm doing that right. We have to be open and realistic. Um, it says, it is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for what you need. I was uh, talking to a friend, it's been great um, with the end of COVID um, from, from growing up. We don't know each other um, super well, but we've got a lot of history, a long time of being friends. So I was just inquiring about her life and she says, yeah, yeah, it's going well. Um, but you know, my husband had to get a second job. So we have some history and I said, you know, oh, I'm sorry, it's, it's not, um, job isn't going well. Well, you know, it's going well. He, he likes the job. Um, it pays really well, actually, um, but he had to get this side job because life is just expensive. And she starts listing out some of her expenses. You know, we, we, we got a boat. The boat is so expensive. Marina fees. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to question your finances. So I'm happy for her getting a boat. This is great. Boats are fun. Like, Awesome, good family time, really valuable. Have you been enjoying uh, your time on boat? I'm so happy for you. No, we've only taken it out once. It's, it's hard. My husband's always working. He doesn't have time to go out on boat. Wait, isn't he working to, to, to pay for the boat, but now he can't go out on... I, I'm just, I'm a little confused. I'm like, 
getting a boat's a great thing. Um, but listen, we may not have boats. We may have lives that are super sized, that's too expensive for us to enjoy. And just as the same way as a, a super sized life with, with all the extras, all the upgrades, it is about as healthy for our souls as supersizing it at McDonald's is for our bodies. What does this say? The Lord gives rest to his loved ones. The Lord gives rest to his loved ones. We receive love and we move in love when we are really following the Lord. This is what the whole psalm hinges on is love. How do we love God, though? How do we love God? How can our, our love to, I mean, it's like saying, how are you a good um, fan or follower of a celebrity? Do they really need your, like, admiration or anything? Does this matter? How do we love God? Here's how. We receive God's love. We love God by sitting in his love, saying yes. Thank you to his love. And then we love others. 1 John 4 says, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. Vice versa, God equals love. We receive love from God. We live in God's love. Um, it says, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Speaking of love and sleep, let's talk about babies. Moving on. A life of following and trust. A life of letting God build our life of loving God and loving others. Kind of funnels in and focuses on one aspect of a fruitful life. Um, and it moves on to talking about children. Why is talking about children kind of this, this funnel point of a trust-filled life of, of following God and receiving His love? I think it's because of love. Loving God and others is our life's work. Jesus said, loving God and others is our greatest commandment. This psalm tells us that it's our greatest accomplishment. It's a command and it's the achievement that we will be most proud of and most satisfied by. There's a legacy to love. Our very life is birthed out of love, comes from love, is sustained by God's love and multiplies in love. Spiritually, we are not, we are not consumers, we're producers. And I know biologically we're still on the top of the food chain, but spiritually, you are a producer, not just a consumer. It's part of what it means to be made in the image of God, that we go forth, we take care of creation, we, we multiply. You are a producer. Your human flourishing and, and thriving is to leave legacies and build people up and, and work fruitfully and productively. You are a producer. But it's what we are producing, coming out of faithfulness and, and, and love, that's the question uh, of our lives. And I think that's why it points to uh, children. There's a generativity of love. We want to follow love, lean into love, trust love to be fruitful and productive. It's a life 
principle for us as followers of Christ. Kind of like if you um, go to career counseling, the, they might tell you, what gives you energy? Well, if you find that um, paperwork just saps all the energy out of you, you should not have a job that does a lot of paperwork. Let's minimize that. Same way with love. We say, where's the love? What helps you to feel love? Do more of that. What, you know, what enables you to give love out better? Do more of that. Maximize love. Follow the path of love. So as we think about um, following the path of love, we're talking about kids. Um, I want to talk about just three quick um, considerations about this manifestation of uh, a fruitful life following Jesus about kids. Number one is the economics around kids. It says children are a gift from the Lord, a reward from Him. You know, like children born to a young man are like warriors in a, or like arrows in a warrior's hand. How blessed is a person with many of these arrows filling up um, in, in his hand. He will not be put to shame. If we're talking about a productive, fruitful, accomplished life, a life where you can say, wow, the Lord has done this, where we really have something to be proud of that the Lord has built up and accomplished in, in our life. Now, kids contribute very little economically. Historically, kids were everything. Retirement plan? Mm. Meet my son and daughter. You didn't have to you save up for a 401k or you know nursing home. Your kids were your retirement plan. Help labor in the field, uh, taking care of younger siblings, all of which are good psychologically for children. Um, you needed children desperately for, for labor, for childcare, for, for, for retirement. And women um, and having babies, you know, there's an economic advantage to this. There's no more profitable career for a woman than having babies. Nothing more valuable that she can do which led to a lot of exploitation. But now I just think it's good for us to, to realize that we are on the opposite end of the pendulum, opposite end of the spectrum. Children have become expensive um, and contribute very little um, to the, the necessities of the family. And so there's economic considerations in both ways, but the spiritual, the spiritual aspects remain the same. And I just think it's good to be clear on how the incentives have changed dramatically. But the human condition, the spiritual remains the same. That There's a generativity and a fruitfulness of love. So the value of kids, that's the second thing. We, we don't have the practicality of, of needing children in the same way, but spiritually it's about the generativity of love and the value of life. When we follow God, trusting Him to build our life, to protect us, to give us what we need, when we receive His love, love is fruitful and love makes things. And it's a spiritual principle. Whether we have children or not, love is fruitful. Love makes things. And this is everyone's truth. Whether single, celibate, able to have kids or not. Listen, when God called Abraham to be the leader of a spiritual community, he didn't give him an organization to run or a task to complete. He gave Abraham a child to love. 
Many of us have spiritual children in our old age or our young age. Love is fruitful and love makes things. And this is why we uh, as a church are pro-life. That is not a political thing, right? It's not a political thing. Uh, we have to be able to say stuff, right? Without out being political, we can try this on with other statements, right? Um, Christians are called to care about the environment and steward God's earth. Is that a political thing? No, right? We can, we can try this on with many other statements. It's not political. It's about our life and following Jesus well. Um, personally, I think about the people I know and love. Um, my husband, his mom, you know, was a little bit on the older side uh, when, when she got pregnant with, with Stephen. Um, and she had a, a heart condition, a, a hole in her heart. Um, and she wasn't, um, she wasn't in like immediate danger of, of dying or anything. That, that, that would have been, been different. Um, but, but she has vulnerable health. And uh, the doctors told her, they said, Laurel, you should have an abortion. We we're concerned about the effects um, that this pregnancy might possibly have on your health. She said, no way. I mean, maybe if it, I, right, there, there are many considerations. Thankfully, she had my husband. Good husbands are hard to come by. Honestly, guys, I'm not sure that anyone else in this planet would be able to put up with me and partner with me in the same way. Her health concerns are very real. She did indeed die, you know, a, a year after she gave birth. But friends, if you actually start talking to people and actually do some, it's extremely personal. Do you know how many people I personally could have lost if they had been aborted? when it was good advice. My children, my husband, I mean, friends, if people had followed the good advice, I really quite literally would have no one in my immediate family. It's sad to me, but we as followers of Jesus we get to live a life of trust. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders work for nothing. When the Lord calls forth a child, He will provide if we are walking in that life of faith and of trust. I say this with, you know, a ton of um, open-handedness, no judgment, no condemnation. There's a higher path of trust and following the, the Lord in, in love. This is why we are holistically um, pro-life, womb to tomb, womb to natural death. Life is from God, all life. We cannot create it and we should not ever take it. Loving our neighbor leaves no room for killing our neighbor before death, after trial, in a woman's body or another country. All life is precious to God. And we stand firm and we say, no, we will trust the Lord to build life. Life is a blessing, and we want to, to live into a life of leaning onto the blessings of God, trusting Him, saying, even when it is really hard, no, Lord, we'll trust you. We'll trust you to, to build our life, to shelter us, to take care of us. We won't work in vain, 
but will follow your calling and living a life of, uh, of trust, even when it gets really hard. I say that with no condemnation, very open-handed. Um, it's part of what we mean to live into a life that God builds. So with children, talked about the economics of kids. We have talked about the value uh, of life. Um, and then how about no kids? How do we follow and live into this life well with no kids? Because some of the greatest saints uh, in the church have not had children. Paul was clearly not worried about the fact that he had never had children. Jesus didn't. Obviously, it's not an imperative. Stephen and I met when we were both in grad school. And during grad school, I was naming for a family of five kids. And I love this family I was naming for. It was a great, great experience. And I'm pretty early um, uh, in our relationship. And I just talked so much about how I love this job and love naming for these five children. He said, hmm, five. Do you want to have five children? I got the, the slight feeling that this was an important question uh, to him. Some folks have used this passage uh, to say that uh, you should have more kids. The more, the better. Um, blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. There's a whole movement called the Quiverful Movement. Feel free not to Google it. More does not automatically equal better. I mean, personally, that's how I approach chocolate sometimes. But thats it's just not the same, right? Love is open. Love is open-handed. We don't always have to have more to make it better now, equally. You don't go to a great restaurant or something and say, that was a wonderful restaurant. I will never go back. Love is open-handed. Love is open-handed, but more does not always equal better. Because love is powerful, whether one or five. Love is powerful without caveats or quantifiers. Some people say that having kids makes you a better person. I'm not actually sure that's true. I have seen some parents, parenting actually gives them more opportunities to be impatient, cranky, distracted, angry, stressed out. Having kids, like many things, especially relationships, is a magnifier of what is already happening inside of us. I'm not sure that having kids makes you a better person. I think that loving your kids makes you a better person. There's a verse in the New Testament, Galatians 5, 6, that talks about many things about how we live out our life and then sums it up and says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. What's important is faith. We trust God to, to build our life and it is expressed in love. Faith in God to live our life, to trust Him with our finances, to, to trust Him without... Uh, being on the hamster wheel of work and work and more life and we're going to protect and wall off ourselves, make ourselves feel safe and secure. We know this was one of our guarantee. Those are false guarantees. We have faith in God to build our life, receiving God's love and living a productive and fruitful life in the generativity of love. As we end this morning, friends, what are you building your life on? hard work, the right connections, the right place, moving up the social ladder, 
Are you building your life on being right? The right things, the right beliefs, the right friends. What's important to you? What are you building your life on? God wants to invite you to receive his love, live a fruitful, productive life of love, letting him build your life. And trust me, it is the way of peace and joy. Let's pray. Um, I encourage you to really consider this as we have a, a, a short time of worship. What are you truly building your life on practically? If you look at your day-to-day, hour-to-hour life. Please pray with me. And Jesus, we thank you that you have an invitation to a better way for us. Jesus, that you don't call us to follow you, and then we have to do all the work. That you call us to follow you, and you do want to take care and provide for us as your children. You want to nurture and raise us up. You want to father us and care for us, advise us and lead us. And you are oh so proud of us as we build our life, as we invest in others, as we love, as we uh, grow professionally and personally. You are so proud of us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your care. In Jesus' name. Let's worship as we consider what we are building our life on.